Okay, Shalom Aleichem. It's exciting to start up again. Um, starting with Seches Kedushin. Seches Kedushin is all about marriages. We're going to be learning the part of it which discusses how exactly do you start that relationship? How do you get it to be that you were in a state of being single and now you're in a state of marriage? So the Torah sources in, I brought you two different sources here. One's a Pasuk in Devarim and Perkhav Days. Pasuk says, Ki yikach ish ish it's talking there in the framework of actual divorce, but the way it starts is ki that when a person takes for himself a wife and he comes close to her, meaning to say he has marital relations with her. So that's the way the Torah dictates that this relationship started is ki when you take her, when you acquire her. That's the language that the Torah uses. And the Torah also continues in Perkhat Dalid, also within the framework of divorce. But the Torah says as follows, When a person takes for himself a wife and has relations with her, and if it happens to be that he ends up and ends up not being a shidduch, it ends up being not a, a good match, he finds something which he doesn't like, because of the Sefer Krisis, so we'll write for her a book of separation that we colloquially call a get, he places it in her hand, and he sends her from his house, Therefore she leaves, and she departs, and now she can go ahead and get remarried. Now these are two sources. These two sources are important, because we're going to learn certain halachas based off these sources. Already, just in our read of the Mishnah, we're going to go ahead and discuss different things. Um, but just that's important background knowledge before we jump into the Mishnah. Now another fact which is important to know is that the Rambam holds... He's of the opinion that marriage, Kedushin, is actually a mitzvah deraisa. There's a discussion in the Rishonim, in the early commentaries, whether or not Kedushin is a mitzvah deraisa in and of itself, because we value because we value the actual state of marriage, or is Kedushin not inherently valuable? It's just that we want you to go ahead and have procreate, to have children, and that's the goal of marriage. And if the goal of marriage is simply procreation, so then, if that being said, the fact that people are married inherently is not valued. So this is a machlokas. The Rambam is of the opinion that there's inherent value to marriage. The Rashba and Shuvas writes the other way. The Rashba and Shuvas is of the opinion that marriage is just a means to have children. But the Rambam here I brought for you in Mitzvah Rishid Gimel is of the opinion that marriage is actually a mitzvah deraisa. We can read it together inside. The Ram says as follows, A mitzvah reishet gimel, the 213th positive mitzvah, it's to have relations, marital relations with kedushin, to give something in the hand of the wife, or besides giving her something, you can give her a, a document, or you can start that relationship through marital relations themselves. Vizuhi mitzvah's kedushin. One of these three things we we'll see momentarily in the Mishnah, either Kesef, Shtar, or Bia, one of these three means of starting that relationship, create Kedushin. Varem is all of the Torah. Now, the, he says that the Torah alludes to this. Why is it an illusion? Because like we said, the Torah is actually referring to speaking about Gerashin when it discusses Kedushin. But that's brought down, Ki yikach ish isha ubala. We use, a man takes from himself a wife and has relations with her. So, it taught us that he should acquire her through marital relations. That's the third 
way that the, the Mishnah dictates were able to acquire a wife. And similarly, the Torah says in Perak Haftalit and Pasuk Beis, it says, So the Chazal make a drasha, the Vayatza Vahaisa, there's a hekesh, there's a, there's a connection in the verse between how she leaves her house, meaning her divorce, Vahaisa, and how she becomes someone else. The same way that she leaves her husband, her original husband's house with Ashtar, so too she enters her new husband's rishos and turns his domain with Ashtar. So we said our source, that connection in the Pasuk, the fact that they're written together, is our source that you can actually marry a woman with Ashtar. So similarly we learned that you can acquire a wife with money, since we learned out from the Pasuk of Ivriya, in Kasev, it says that there's no money, Meaning to say that when the Ame Ivriya, the lady, the woman who is an indentured servant by a man's house, when she leaves his domain, he doesn't get any money. So Amru, Chazal Darshan, the, the fact that the Torah had to say that there's no money, even though, even though she was paid for her services beforehand, so it's a funny statement to make if she was already prepaid for her services. Why would you think she gets paid when she leaves? So Chazal expounded from there, There's no money to this master of this indentured servant, but the money goes to someone else. That other case is the father of a girl who marries her off. He gets money from the groom as a means of creating that relationship. Yeah, so that's the Shittas Rambam, that's the Shittas Rambam, that the, there's a marriage, the concept of marriage is a value midaraisa, the Torah wants that, it's a mitzvah daraisa, irrelevant of whether you're going to be able to have children or not. And there's three ways to accomplish that, which is going to be our discussion in the Mishnah. Now, the Sefer Chinuch gives two reasons for the mitzvah. The first reason is that he wants, the Hashem wanted that before a person enters into a relationship of intimacy with a woman, he shouldn't just treat her like she's nothing, and therefore he should give her something. There should be an established relationship. That's number one. And number two is that should the relationship should conjure a certain amount, certain sentiments, in a certain way to relate to, relate to each other. He says that's why woman wears a ring, because it, it sets a certain, it's a constant reminder of that relationship and the way that both of them are supposed to act in the context of that relationship. So this is our basic, you know, background information, what we're discussing how the Torah views it, the sources for it. Now I want to go ahead, I want to read the Mishnah inside, I want to read the Rashi, and then after we read them together, the basic translation, we have a few questions that we're going to ask. So it says the Mishnah as follows. A lady is acquired three different ways. And she, she can reacquire herself in two ways. She can acquire herself with, I'm sorry, she can be acquired with money, with a document, with a legal document, or with marital relations. Explain to the Mishnah, Bekesef, now if you're going to go ahead and acquire a wife with money, you have to acquire her either with a dinar, the value of a dinar, obviously you can give more, but at least a dinar, or an object that's worth a dinar. Those two are both viable means of Kedushe Kesef. Basil disagrees. Basil says you can give even less. A pruta is one out of one hundred ninety-second part, one out of one hundred ninety-two of a dinar. It's much much less valuable. Basil says you can go ahead and acquire with a pruta, or a shavapruta, an object that has the value of a pruta. 
Yes, the Gemara of Akamehi Pruta. How much is a Pruta worth? It's Echad Mishmona Isari Talki. It's one eighth of an Isari Talki. And parenthetically, I'll tell you that in Isari Talki, there are 24 of them in Adina. That's how we get to that one out of 192. Continues the Mishnah. The Kinesatma began with Misabal. How does she reacquire herself? She reacquires herself either by receiving get from her husband, or her husband passes away. When she when her husband passes away, she reacquires herself. That's the first part of the Mishnah. Second part of the Mishnah. Hayavama Niknes Bibia. Hayavama is acquired through marital relations. Right? Here we see clear difference. Kesem and Shtar don't work for Yavama. And here she can acquire herself back either through Chalitza. That's the process that he says he's going to do Yibum with her. Takes off her, puts on a shoe, spit, etc. Chalitza. That separates them. Uba Misa Yavam. Or if the Yavam dies. So that's the Mishnah. Rashi comes along and explains what's it, Haisha Nikness. Labaila to her husband. Bishalosh Drachim, in three different ways. Kirmafarish Vazal, the Gemara is going to explain. Vaishalosh Lashnekeva, who the Gemara of Bai, Amaitana Lashnekeva. And the Gemara is going to go ahead and it's going to tell us these three things. Now, the way the Mishnah expresses it is a three drachim in the feminine. And the Gemara is going to ask, why did it teach it in the Mishnah in the language in the feminine tense? That's the proper text Rashi teaches us. It seems like there was another text that didn't say but Rashi Kilo is validating the text that we have in front of us. She acquires herself to be in her own domain, to marry someone else. Interesting. Continues Rashi, The Gemara is going to explain it in the Braisa later on. How do you do it? You give her money or something of a monetary value, and you say to her, You're married to me, you're betrothed to me. When it comes to a shah, you write to her on a piece of paper, even though the paper itself is not worth a Sheva Pruta, hurry up, Mikudeshisli, you're betrothed to me. Bia, when it comes to marital relations, Balea, you come, you come to her, marry me with this Bia, all of them we, ta- we derive these, that these work from Psukim, the reason the Beishamai we're going to learn in the Gemara. Pruta, Rashi tells us, it's copper. It's made out of silver. And its value is eight Prutas. The Yavama is acquired to the Yavam. The Yavam is the person who performs the right marriage. What's that mean? That once he has, the Yavam performs, has marital relations with the Yavama, now he becomes a full throttle wife. That up to the extent that if he wants to divorce her afterwards, chalitza is not a valid way to dissolve their relationship. And again, rather, he has to give her a divorce document. But when it comes to Shtar and Kesef, on a derisa level, it doesn't work to create, to establish their relationship. Rather, it works on a rabbinic level. Because Chazal established that Maimer should work. There's something called Maimer. Maimer is that the, if let's say the deceased husband has five brothers, all five of the brothers on a derisa level can go ahead and perform Yibum. So if one brother wants to perform Yibum but technically can't do it yet, 
But for whatever reason, he doesn't have relations with her. He can do something called Maimer, which will give her money or will give her a star for the intent of starting that relationship. And that goes ahead and nullifies his brothers from going ahead and doing Yibum. So he says that it works, because Chazal established that Maimer works like it's taught in Yavamos. But it doesn't finish the relationship so that he can inherit her, or that if he's a Kohen and she passes away, that he can defile himself in order to bury her. It doesn't exempt her from Chalitza. So rather, what's it accomplished? Rather, it dissolves the ability for his brothers to go ahead and do perform Yibam. So that's the basic read of the Mishnah. That's the basic read of Rashi. And now, to be honest with you, frankly, I don't understand any of it. The whole thing is sounds is like a is like a mystery. It's a riddle. So let's let's, let's go slow. The Mishnah starts off Haisha Niknis. A lady is acquired. Now I'm going to ask a silly question. Why in the world are we talking about acquiring a lady, acquiring a wife? Niknis is a language. If I want to buy a shoe, I say I'm kona anal. I acquired it. It's not a Kenyan. If I want to start a relationship, of a loving relationship with my wife. I'm a Kaddisha. I do something I sanctify. I do, I do something, you know, establish a relationship. Why is the Mishnah discussing Kenyanim? That's number one. Number two, for whatever reason, the Mishnah is, yes, discussing Kenyanim when it comes to marriage. How is it at all viable to make an acquisition on a human being? If I go ahead and acquire a cup, so when I finish the cup, I'll crumple it up and I'll throw it out. You can't do that to a human being. You can't hurt the human being. You can't, if you're angry, you can't chop her arm off, right? You don't own her. You can never own a human being. Even when it comes to a slave, there's certain halachas of how you have to treat the slave. Obviously, and if, if he loses a tooth, he goes free. He's not in your auspices anymore. So obviously, you can't own a human being. If you can't own a human being, so then what in the world does the Mishnah mean that I can be good to my wife? I can, I can acquire my wife. How is that? Now, now, number three, we're not sure why we're talking about Kenyanim, we're not sure how a Kenyan is per- applicable by a person, but the mission is assuming as such, that you're doing a Kenyan. So I understand when you acquire something through kesef, through money, that makes a lot of sense. I purchase something, there's something has a value, I give you the value, great, a transfer of ownership. I understand there's something called a legal document, you know, I don't have all the money right now. I'm giving you this legal document. You know, based on this legal document, it says you're going to transfer ownership to me. And in the future, yeah, obviously I'm going to have to pay you back. Yeah, say that. But what caused the execution of the transfer of property? The legal document, the star, makes sense. How in the world can I make a legal acquisition through marital relations? That's not a form of Kenyan. If I want to buy a table... I can't have marital relations and the table becomes mine. It's just, there's no connection, obviously. So, inasmuch as we don't find that having marital relations is something which is a viable means of acquisition in any other circumstance, and yet the Torah seems, the Mishnah seems very comfortable using the normative language of acquisition, how could it be then that Bia, that having, an acquis- having relations here, is something which is actually performing the Kenyan. That seems like it's something which is an impossibility. That's question number three. Question number four is that 
the Mishnah is very bothersome. Why does the Mishnah have to tell me Shalosh? Just say Aisha Niknis Bekesif Shtar Bibia. Shalosh. I don't know how to count. I forgot how to count. Bothersome. Now, question number five. When it's talking about the lady being acquired, marrying her, Aisha Niknis, it's in the passive. Something's happening to her. Aisha Niknis. When she's when she's not being married, when the, the marriage ends, it becomes active all of a sudden. Now, how does she reacquire herself? Is she active? The answer is no. She receives a get. Her, her husband dies. They're both passive. He does everything. He gives the get. He dies. And yet, there's a change in the language, in the tense that the, the Mishnah uses to express that. The koina is atzma, there it's active. As opposed to Aisha Niknis, that it's passive. So what's the explanation there? Why did the Mishnah change tenses, tenses, I'm sorry, when it's referring to whether or not she's entering the state of marriage or leaving the state of marriage? That's number five. Number six, Kesef Shtar and Bia. Why did the Mishnah change, choose that order? If I was going to write the Mishnah, I would write at least, I would for sure start with Bia. Bia is explicit in the Chumash. Now we saw ish He has relations with her. That's, that's how what he's accomplishing. So how come the Mishnah, when it chooses to list the different types of kinyanim, goes in this order? The order I would have preferred would be the order at least that the Torah itself dictates. Question number seven. So now the Mishnah Rashi already told us everything's sourced. Kasef Shtar Bia. The Rashi told us, Kuli Yolif Mikroli. All three of them are going to go ahead and derive from Sukkim. That means that each one of the means, the methods of creating a Kedushin, necessitate, they necessitate a Kenyan. And that Kenyan needs to be sourced in the Chumash. So now when we get to Kesef, we start getting more in-depth. We see Beishamei Bishilil. Both agree there's something called Kesef. They disagree on the amount, but they both agree there's something called Cash. And they agree there's something called a monetary, something of a monetary value, Sheva Kesef. Now, let's, let's ask it straight. Is Kesef and Sheva Kesef the same thing? If Kesef is the same exact thing as Sheva Kesef, why did the Mishnah have to state it? And if Kesef and Sheva Kesef are two disparate means of Kedushin, why in the world does Sheva Kesef not need a source? Kesef has a source. The Rambam brought a source in case of the Adon Zayish, case of the Adon Acher. We're going to see soon the Gemara brings a different source, Ki Kach Ish Isha, like Shava. But Kesef has a source. Why does Sheva Kesef not have a source? Pelaplayim. Those are the first seven questions. Question number eight is just it's going in the order of the Mishnah. The Mishnah starts off talking about marrying an Isha. And the Mishnah ends off using talking about Yavama. Now, the acquisition of a wife and the acquisition of a Yavama are totally different. When you acquire a wife, it goes into a state of Kedushin. Kedushin has certain halachos, but there's lacking certain halachos, like we saw already in Rashi. A person doesn't inherit a woman, his wife, if there's only a state of Kedushin. He has to enter the next stage of something called Nesuin. Right? If a, a Kohen marries a woman, he's Makadisher, but they never went to the secondary state of Nesuin. If she passes away, he can't defile himself to bury her. Yet, when a Yavam acquires his wife, so there, 
they enter a state of nisuin, and he's a full, she's a full throttle wife. There's nothing else that has to happen. So how could it be that, the, first of all, the, the Mishnah couples them in the same Mishnah, right? The, the, the two totally different halachas. One is how you achieve the state of Kedushin, and Yavama is how you achieve the state of Nesuin. So why is it that the Mishnah coupled them together? Secondly, how could you use the same expression? How could you use the same expression? Yavama Niknis. Niknis is an expression to create Kedushin. And yet when it comes to Yibum, it's something which is creating Nesuin. So the two seemingly, they're achieving two different ends, and yet the Mishnah, first of all, couples them together, and the Mishnah uses the same exact language to express what each one's accomplishing. How could that be? That's question number eight. Now, this is our last question on the Mishnah itself, question number nine. Question number nine is as follows. The Mishnah says, V'kainas Atzma, two times. It says it in regards to a woman who is married, a Kedushin, a regnormative case, and the Mishnah uses it in the form of Yavama. Now, when it comes to Yavama, when she's Kainas Atzma, when she regains her own independence, she's not married anymore, that means that she can go marry whoever she wants. In all circumstances. In all circumstances, she can marry whoever she wants. That's what it means of a konis atzma. Now let's contrast that to the first case. The first case, you have a single girl. She gets married. She has a husband. Right? And now, he passes away. Let's look in the case of Mises Abal. She says, konis atzma of Mises Abal. So now, can she marry whoever she wants? The question is, it depends. It depends if he had brothers or not. If he had brothers, she can't marry whoever she wants. She has to remarry the Yavam. So that means that the language of Kunis Atzma in regards to the Isha Niknis is different than the language of Kunis Atzma in regards to Yavama Niknis. How could that be? What are you going to tell me that in the first case, there are circumstances where the Isha can marry whoever she wants. That's true, you're right, there are circumstances, but inasmuch as the Mishnah didn't qualify and limit the halacha of Akunas Atzma to those circumstances, my assumption is that Akunas Atzma applies in all cases. If it applies in all cases, so then, very good, under some circumstances, the language is the same, but sometimes Akunas Atzma is going to mean two different things. How could that be? How could he use, how could the Mishnah use the same language to go ahead and explain two different halachas, two different realities. That's bothersome. So now, those, that's the difficulties we had in the Mishnah. Nine different difficulties. You have to, let's make sure they have them clear. We'll do a quick recap. Number one, why are we talking about kinyanim at all? Number two, how, what does it mean that you have a kinyan on a person? That's something which seems unfeasible. Number three, how is Bia a form of Kinyan? If we're assuming that there is a concept of Kinyanim, how can Bia accomplish that? Number four, why does the Mishnah tell us a number of three Kinyanim? It seems obvious, I can count. Number five, why does the language change in between the passive and the active when the woman's being acquired or she's reacquiring herself? Either way, she's not doing anything. Number six, is there a logic in the order, Kesef, Shtar, and Bia? It seems to be against the order of the Torah. Number seven, that when it talks to Kesef and Sheva Kesef, we have feel, the Gemara feels it needs a source for Kesef Shtar yet it doesn't need a source for Sheva Kesef. So if Sheva Kesef is Kesef, why does the Mishnah have to say it? And if Sheva Kesef is something different, why does it need a source? That's question number seven. Question number eight is how come Yibum and Kedushin are coupled? They accomplish two different things. Kedushin accomplishes Kedushin, Yibum accomplishes Nesuin.
Number nine, why, what does the Kunis Atma mean? The language of Kunis Atma in regards to Yavama means something different in certain circumstances than what does when it says that Isha is Kunis Atma. Those are first nine questions. Some of these questions, one of these questions the Gemara is going to ask, but the other questions, Pasha, just reading the Mishnah, you know, and trying to make a precise reading in the Mishnah, it doesn't go. It really does, doesn't go. Now, in regards to Rashi, Rashi, the things which stick out, they're quite bothersome. Ha'isha niknes the baila. A woman's acquired to a husband. What's that mean? What's that mean? Obvious. I'm saying he's the one doing the Kenyan, right? Who's making the Kenyan? The husband. So, who? anytime someone makes a Kenyan, you know, I make a Kenyan on a chair. So, I, I acquire the chair, obviously. Doesn't have to say the person who picks up the chair, who gave the money for the chair. So, what's Rashi want? The baila. Why is he saying that? It's obvious, no? That's question... Number one on Rashi. Question number two. Rashi de Ramasko the Kuinas Atma. Rashi defines it. What's it mean she acquires herself? Rashi says she's in her own domain to marry someone else. Yeah, obviously. The divorce now, or he passed away. She's a widow. But where's the acquisition? What's she acquiring? To be in her domain to marry someone else. What, what, what did she get? What does she have now that she didn't have? That Rashi is going to need an explanation. Now, second, thirdly, in Rashi, we have we have two things to go ahead now and try to fit together, right? And this is going to give us a bigger picture, a better picture of what Rashi is trying to tell us here. But on one hand, Rashi says that Isha niknes the baila. So when she's kines atzma, she says the the point is in a certain way, that she can marry someone else. It sounds like there is no baila. That's the point. That's what she's acquiring. So how do those two Rashis work in tandem? That's, uh, that's going to be another question. The last question we're going to have in Rashi is that Rashi, in Divra Maskal, the Kesef Shtar adds that before Kesef Shtar it says, listen, the Kesef, Hashem, Kesef, Va'oymela, Hariyam, Gadeshesli, the same thing with Shtar. Va'oymela, Va'oymela, right? And Rashi, even by Bia, what's he say? He says, Va'oymela, Iskadeshli, Va'oymela, who's talking about Amira? There's a statement here going on? The Mishnah mentioned anything about talking to her? Making some kind of declaration about what I'm doing? Where's the declaration? As far as I see, you acquire with money, you acquire the star, you acquire the Bia, that's it. Who, who told Rashi about an Amira? So now, right now what we just did is we went through an exercise that going ahead, reading the Mishnah, reading the Rashi, these are things which should be screaming, they should be bothering us. Where's it coming from? It's a, it's, it doesn't make sense. Now, some of them the Gemara is going to be bothered by, some of them Rishina are going to be bothered by, and some of them, probably most of them, are the things that we're going to have to work out on our own, that they assume that we understood. That's going to be our job here. Now, as an introduction, before we start, you know, cracking into things, so like this. By Kedushin, we know there's two different things that occur, it seems. Number one, we see there's something called a Kenyan. There's something called an acquisition. That's explicit in the Mishnah, that when you acquire, the way you establish a marriage is there's an acquisition of something. You acquire your wife, whatever that means. We'll have to define that. Fine. It's an acquisition. I showed to you a source in Vayikra and Perachov Beis that the coin kiyikneh Nefesh Kinyan Kaspel, that the wife, a slave, what the, the people in the house of a Kohen are able to eat Truma because they're Kinyan Nafshah, the, the acquisition he made. There's a Kinyan, there's a concept of Kinyan which has halachic ramifications that the Torah views. 
as occurring. Now that being said, if I go ahead and buy a house, and someone sleeps in my house, so then it could be it's also to do, but they're not chayiv misa, right? Obviously not. If I go ahead and I acquire for myself a wife, and someone is, you know, someone someone gets married, and someone the, the wife is promiscuous, she cheats on him, so if there's Edom Asra, she's Chayim Misa. There's a prohibition. It's also do it, even if there's no Edom. There's a prohibition which is created. So there's something called an Isser. So there's two aspects to every time there's a Kedushin here. There's the Kinyin, there's the acquisition that takes place due to the Kesef Shtarbiya. And there's the prohibition which takes suit. So these two aspects are clear that they both exist. Now the question is, Vachonin says, clears this question already, in the Kivit Shurim I showed you, in Kedushin Rasnan Gimel, that what takes place, it's clear that they both are true, what takes place first? Is the Pshat, is the explanation that a person makes a Kenyan, he acquires the wife, he acquires the woman, and due to the fact that he acquired her, so that goes ahead and creates a prohibition which follows suit, or no? Really what happens is that since he was Mekadashar, he set aside, he created uh, uh, an exclusivity between him and her, which makes her forbidden to other people, that results in some type of ownership and some kind of transaction between the two of them. What's the chicken and what's the egg? What came first? That's Abul Khanan's question, and Abul Khanan doesn't have a source. He doesn't have a proof either way. Meaning, to reiterate, is the Kenyan what's happening? That's what you're doing when you're Makadisha. You're doing a Kenyan. And now that you did a Kenyan, so certain prohibitions follow suit due to the Kenyan that you made. And no, the act of Kedushin is creating an exclusivity. That's just me and her. And now that it's just me and her, so now, as a result of that, that creates a certain financial relationship as well. That there's certain ownership, there's certain dominion that's given to the husband that will have to be defined. This is a very important question to ask just as establishing a basis for what's going on here. Now, I brought for you the Tashbates. The Tashbates is one of the early Rishonim. We don't have his commentary on the Gemara, but we do have responsive Shuvas from him. And here comes along the Tashbates and says as follows, it's obvious that the reason why a woman becomes prohibited to other people is because her husband acquired her. It was an acquisition. And inasmuch as he acquired her, so now, due to that acquisition, due to that acquisition, that creates certain prohibitions. I own a certain aspect. Now that I own that aspect of my wife, so now that creates, says that you, you and you, are also to interact with my wife in a certain way. That's the Tashbeitz's sense. So Rebbe Khanan had a question, what comes first? Is it the prohibition comes first, and now that allows for certain types of transactions between them, financial responsibilities, or no? That really there's some sort of acquisition that took place. And due to that acquisition, so now 
Now there's going to be a prohibition which follows suit. So the Tashbait clearly takes the latter approach, that first comes the Kinyan, and after the Kinyan comes along and takes effect, that creates a prohibition. The Ra'ah says just the opposite. The Ra'ah comes along with a stance and says, Asvara. He says that, how could it be that you acquire a human being? We know that's irrelevant. It's, no, that's not feasible. So it must be that Kedushin is creating a prohibition. It's creating a relationship of exclusivity. And now there's some kind of transaction that took place also. Whatever that means, it solidified that, it solidified that, uh, that exclusive relationship which they already had. And that's the Ra'ah's stance. So this doubt of Rav Chana Vasarman, we found that the Rishonim took on both sides. The Tashbeits took the stance that the Kinyan came first, and following the Kinyan, due to the Kinyan, came established a prohibition. Whereas the Ra'ah said, it can't be there's such a concept of a Kinyan. So it must be we're establishing a prohibition due to exclusivity. And now that we're in an exclusive relationship, there's a certain transaction that took place also, which followed suit. The stipler wants to bring a proof. It's an interesting proof. The proof of the stipler, he wants to bring a proof to the stance of the Tashbeits. This proof is as follows. This proof is that when it comes to making uh, sacrifices, you have to sanctify the animal that you want to bring as a sacrifice. So now, the halacha is that you have to own the animal that you sanctify. And the svara, the logic is, a person can create a prohibition on something he doesn't own. So says Rav Hanan, it says the stapler, I'm sorry, that inasmuch as you're creating a prohibition through the act of Kedushin, it has to be that you have some degree of ownership over it before you can create that prohibition. So based off of that, he wants to prove that it must be that the, stand, that the, the truth is like the Tashbeits, that the prohibition comes into existence first. Or else, how do you get out of this issue of So I just want to prove to you here, before we go ahead and try to, you know, learn up the Mishnah, learn up the Rishonim, learn up Rashi. So I want to, from, from an outside perspective, what would be the logical reasonings going on behind the scenes? Meaning, it's very good, we have the Mishnah, we have the structure of the Mishnah, we have Rashi, we have our difficulties in it. And now, we see from a, an outside perspective, what are the svaras that we can throw around? There's a prohibition, there's a, there's a transaction, what came first, what follows suit, what would be the svaras to say in either direction, the Ra'az is svara to say the prohibition has to come first. It's impossible to own a human being. The disciple is saying a svara, it has to be that the transaction came first, because you can't create a prohibition on something you don't own. These are, this is the tension that's going on behind the scenes that no one's going to speak out. Now, that being said, so the million-dollar question at hand is, so, so now what am, I, what am I acquiring? At the end of the day, I'm starting a marriage, I'm starting a relationship, and I have to know what is it exactly that I'm acquiring when I say Ha'isha Niknas. Obviously, you can't acquire the person, right? That's the, the, whole, the Rahal's whole claim here. So if you're not acquiring a person, so what are you, yes, acquiring? 